from the world famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Sean Kelly, producer Dan, D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra, yeah. and the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly. Our goes at Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. We've reached the halfway point here, I guess, of the week, and uh, we've had some good shows already, and we're going to deliver again today. We've got a lot on our plates here at Studio B at 5800 Airline Drive. I'm Sean Kelly, and, uh, of course, welcome in to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Uh, voluntary off-season workouts continue here at the facility. The uh, Saints, uh, many of them, are here going through their paces. And uh, we also have the Zurich Classic going on this week. And, of course, we've got NBA playoffs to talk about. And our NFL Draft Preview Series continues today as well. As a matter, as a matter of fact, Daniel Salerson is going to visit with Eric Allen of NewYorkJets.com to talk about the Jets. And I think we're up to pick number 18 now in our Draft Preview Series. So that's coming up today. Uh, it being a Wednesday, that means David Wesley stops by. The analyst for Fox Sports New Orleans will share his thoughts on not only the NBA playoffs, but today the NBA's Most Improved Player Award. That was handed out this morning, and unfortunately the Pelicans did not see Anthony Davis win that award this season. Um, that was my vote, uh, and call me biased, I don't care. But uh, Davis was my vote. He did not get it. He finished third in the voting. Goran Dragic of the Phoenix Suns is the winner. Um, who was also on my ballot, just not first. And Lance Stevenson of the Indiana Pacers was second. So it went Dragic, Stevenson, and then Davis on that Most Improved Player Award. So we'll talk to David Wesley about that today and the NBA playoffs. We'll also continue our NBA playoffs coverage with Eric Hasseltine. He's the voice of the Memphis Grizzlies. And Memphis got a big road win uh, two nights ago, beating the Oklahoma City Thunder to even up their series one game apiece. And so we'll get a peek into that series with Eric a little bit later on in the program. So as we mentioned, uh, the Zurich Classic is going on this week over the TPC of, in Louisiana. We were glad to have Kelly Gibson on with us yesterday, great guest. And he had mentioned that the uh, Tuesday events featured not only a kids' clinic, but the celebrity shootout. And if you remember from yesterday's show, we said that several of the Saints participated in uh, that uh, event that I think got underway at about 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon. Um, so we had a chance to catch up with a couple of the guys as they participated yesterday in something a little out of their comfort zone. And uh, certainly Zach Streif was out there, and Zach's one of our favorites. So here now is a little from Zach Streif's event yesterday. Being under contract for uh, what could be the rest of my career, um, no, it's, it's very special. Um, and certainly I think how I feel about the city and how I feel like I've been received by the city to be able to keep playing here and finish up here, um, it is, it's uh, I'm very blessed. Not everybody's going to have that opportunity as a big roster turnover this year. I guess kind of your thoughts on just yeah. it's going to look a little different in the locker this year. You know, it always does. I think this year there was some real uh, guys that have been here for a long time and, and some real fan favorites. And, you know, for us in the locker room, I mean, 
if you were to ask me, you know, what hurts the most, I'd say Brian Del Puente and Jed Collins. And I don't know if that's who the fans would come out and say, oh, well, those are our biggest losses. Well, to me personally, those are my two of my best friends on the team, and that's hard. And it's like that every year. Every year, there's a there's a turnover that kind of hurts. You know, you become friends. You're not necessarily teammates with everybody. Um, so it's hard. And and yeah, the look, <laughs> you go in the weight room and. We were doing a competition yesterday in the weight room, and we're picking teams, and we don't know half the people in the room. You know, you're pointing at guys, and so yeah, that's uh, that's part of the part of the uh, business, and um, we'll certainly get to know them all better as we go here. Not having someone uh, an important part, and you don't know how long it's be with Jimmy Graham and his contract. I know it's part of the business, but you're not having a piece there. I know you did it a couple years ago with Drew. I mean, it's kind of a similar feel that that uh, you know an important cog may not be there through for until you know TBA to be announced. Really. Yeah, I mean, look, right now, no. Um, he might not even work out when I work out. I may never see the guy. You know, there's. Um, it's a, it's not right now. Obviously, you get into training camp. I think that's where you would start noticing it. Even OTAs, that's a lot of personal development time. You're not really doing the the, the team building yet. And uh, yeah, we get into to training camp, and, and Jimmy's still not there. It, it's you know, it stinks not to have him. And yet, look, I, I think all of us understand, and and I think it's the hardest thing to understand from the outside is. It is a business, and and you know it, it's not. Neither side is right, neither side is wrong. It just is what it is, and um, I, I think that everyone knows that the first game of the season, Jimmy will be there and he'll be ready to go, and you know, and that's all you really want at the end of the day. And you forget all of a sudden that he wasn't there for OTAs and all those other things. So hopefully they get something done for for Jimmy's sake, for the team's sake. I think it's best for everybody. I think they all agree with that, and uh, but we'll see how it plays out. Quick question here. Mark Ingram was pretty good on the course today. Did that surprise you? Surprised him. I mean, he played really well. I was impressed. Uh, I'm going to have him come out this weekend somewhere and golf with me, and I'm going to videotape it, and I'm going to post it on the Internet to prove to everyone he was lucky today. But, uh, no, he really he played really well. Um, so, that's hey, I, I, anyone that golfs appreciates when anyone has a good day because I think we've all had a lot more bad days than good ones, and so it's good to see someone play well. Streif was amongst uh, many black and gold participants, uh, also including Champ Bailey, the newly signed cornerback for the New Orleans Saints. The veteran and uh, surefire, I think, future Hall of Famer uh, was swinging the sticks yesterday, too. And uh, Doug Tatum had a chance to get some thoughts from Champ Bailey as well. How, how have the first two days been workouts with your new teammates? It's been good, you know. I, I think really this time we take the advantage of, you know, learning about one another, getting to know one another, you know, and also, you know, figuring out how we're going to make this thing work so we can get it done. Right. Do you feel a little bit like the new kid on the block, new kid in school? You know, I wouldn't say that because I'm, I'm so much older than everybody, <laughs> you know, as far as the game. But, it, you know, it's a new place, you know, get to meet a lot of new people, make some new friends. I mean, it's, it's all exciting. All right. We have the draft coming up in a few weeks. Do you remember what your draft day experience was like? Yes, yes, vividly. You know, I, I was at home, a lot of family. You know, I was invited to go to New York, but I passed on that to spend time with my family and let them experience the whole draft process. Do you think that's the way to go rather than go to New York? To, to Is it more relaxing being at your own house? It, it, it was for me. I think it's by personal choice. You know, everybody's different. You know, I think it works good for some guys to go to New York, but, you know, it's really a personal preference. You know, if if you want to stay home, you know, I, I think that's just the best way because you get to experience it with the people who help you get to the point where you are.
And so good to catch up with a couple of those guys yesterday at the Celebrity Shootout at the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. Uh, the play begins in earnest tomorrow over the TPC of Louisiana. Today, though, the focus will be on the Pro-Am, and we understand that head coach Sean Payton is participating in that and will hopefully have uh, some of his experience for you tomorrow on the Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report. All right, so let's get started with the rest of the show here from Studio B today as we bring you uh, what we can regarding the NBA playoffs in our NFL Draft Preview Series. Eric Hasseltine and David Wesley still to come. But up next, Daniel Salerson checks in with the New York Jets and Eric Allen. He'll help us uh, continue our preview at pick number 18 after this. Hardwood, hardball, and hard knocks. (gasps) This is the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Our NFL Draft Preview Series continues today with the number 18 pick in this year's draft, which is the New York Jets. And for more on them, let's welcome in Eric Allen, senior reporter for NewYorkJets.com. Eric, thanks for joining me today. Uh, thanks for having me. A uh, pleasure to talk to you guys down there in Louisiana. And uh, looking forward to the draft. It's been a long wait this year. Yeah. Not, what, do you, what do you think about that? Some people like it, some people not like it. What's your thoughts on the draft uh, starting in May? It's uh, it's fascinating. I guess it gives teams uh, more time to prepare, but uh, I think by this point, it's a little uh, for, uh, analysis by uh, or uh, a lot of a lot of paralysis. I mean, <laughs> from the analysis, right? Because uh, they've had so much time and uh, to look over all these prospects through the combine and the pro days, and then going over the big board and. Uh, and things of that nature. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it affects the teams. But I tell you what, it keeps the NFL in the headlines each and every day because the mock drafts, it seems like everybody and their brother has a mock draft nowadays. Absolutely. Before we get to the Jets and their draft, let's talk about the Jets' offseason so far. They bring in Michael Vick uh, to compete with Geno Smith at QB, Chris Johnson at running back, Eric Decker at wide receiver. Your thoughts on the Jets' Jets offseason up to this point? Yeah, frankly, I think they made some moves that a lot of us anticipated because the Jets had the 29th scoring offense in the National Football League last year at 18.1 points a game, and they still managed to squeak out eight wins, but they had to get better on the offensive side of the ball. John Idzik, who's been here for more than a year now, has always said he's going to be judicious in free agency. So I know a lot of fans of the green and white wanted him to go out and spend a ton of money because uh, the Jets were in good salary cap position before free agency began. And actually, they're in very good salary cap position right now. Uh, Wide receiver was their biggest need heading into the offseason. They go out and get Decker, who was uh, extremely productive with a guy like Peyton Manning. In Denver, we'll have to see uh, what kind of numbers he puts up here with the Jets now because, uh, you know, he's either going to be uh, getting balls from either Geno Smith on three and second season or uh, or Michael Vick. They aforementioned Michael Vick. Like, uh, when uh, the Jets brought in Michael Vick, no surprise there because he had so much success with Marty Morningweg in Philadelphia for a number of years. When the Jets wanted to add competition in the quarterback position, they released Mark Sanchez and Vic seemed to me to be a natural fit from a uh, system familiarity base. And he's also a talented player. He still beat out Nick Foles. I think a lot of people forget about this. He beat, beat out Nick Foles in training camp 
last year in Philadelphia. He's a model teammate in Philadelphia. Um, so we'll have to see what happens. But I think they got better at the quarterback position. You mentioned Chris Johnson. Remains to be seen how many carries he's going to get a game. I know a lot of fans are saying it's uh, CJ1K right now, but I think that's just fine with the New York Jets. They just want to be more explosive on offense, and you add them to a quarterback rotation that already features a guy like Chris Ivory, who had acquired last year from the Saints for a fourth-round pick. You got Bilal Paul here. This was the sixth-ranked rushing attack in the National Football League last year. And what Johnson gives you is a home-run hitter, and they needed that on offense. So, uh, uh, yeah, you thought they'd uh, make some upgrades on offense. They certainly have. You got a question at quarterback, a cornerback on the opposite side of the ball right now because the Jets did release Antonio Cromartie. At the start of free agency, they went out and signed Dimitri Patterson and played with the Dolphins last year. Uh, and he's been an extremely productive player when he's been healthy. But uh, if the Jets were to play tomorrow, would he be the guy opposite D. Miller? Probably. Is he better suited ultimately for the inside, maybe at a nickel corner? Probably as well. So we'll have to see what happens uh, with the Jets at cornerback here in the future. With them acquiring a good amount of offensive guys through free agency, and then you just mentioned the cornerback position, is defense their focus in this year's draft? I wouldn't say that. I mean, they still got to keep on adding to this offense. Right. Uh, I, I give you a number of positions right now uh, the Jets have to look at. You still got to look at the wide receiver position because the upgrade was made with Decker, and you have, I think, one of the more underrated slot players in football, Jeremy Curley, but the Jets probably still need an upgrade on the outside, who's going to play opposite uh, Eric Decker? Tight end is also a position they're going to have to address. Yes, they've resigned Jeff Cumberland, a nice kind of move tight end who fits in well with Marty Morganwake's West Coast attack, but Kellen Winslow is an unrestricted free agent. It doesn't appear likely that he's going to be back, so the Jets still have to add another tight end. On the other side of the ball, the Jets are stout in that front seven. We know that's one of the best uh, fronts in all of football, but the cornerback position and also safety because that Reed came here about halfway through the season and he's still an unrestricted free agent. So I think the Jets could stand for an upgrade at safety as well. And then we know uh, you could be looking at an upgrade at guard, but I think you're set as far as starters are concerned. But you know that with the Jets have 12 draft picks, you can add depth all over the place. I think they're uh, in a really good position as we have into the draft. You mentioned all those draft picks, three in the fourth round, three in the sixth round. Being at number 18 in the depth in this draft, do you see the Jets trying to trade up using some of those fourth and sixth round picks as bait? Well, yeah, well, that's the thing. With some of these compensatories, as you know, you can't you can't trade the compensatory selection. Right. Uh, you do have some room to maneuver if you want to. I know John Itzik his philosophy is, listen, we really value our draft picks. Now, if somebody really fell, really was dropping in that first round, like Sammy Watkins, who we don't imagine that happening. And a lot of people are saying he could go as high as number two overall. And I'm sure you would look at it. You know, I'm just curious to see what's going to happen with the wide receivers and, and, and because this is a deep class full of underclassmen. And we talk about – uh, what's the separation between these guys after Sammy Watkins and maybe a Mike Evans from Texas A&M and Marquise Lee, and you're talking about a Brandon Cook, so Del Beckham. What's the separation between some of these guys? And then the Jets have a favorite amongst that bunch, but 
there's a lot of depth there because you can keep on going on down the list with Calvin Benjamin from Florida State, Devontae Adams, um, Jordan Matthews from Vanderbilt. So do you sit tight there? Eric Ebron's an interesting name from North Carolina. Where is he going to go? I've seen a lot of people say he's a top-ten pick, but would he drop? And also we talked about the cornerback position. We A lot of people think that the top two in this class are – uh, Justin Gilbert from Oklahoma State, Darquez Denard from Michigan State. Maybe one of those guys could be there. Uh, I think the Jets are sitting in a good position at 18. Could they move up? Sure. I do. Would I say it's likely right now? No. And in fact, I think they probably entertain offers depending on what happens to quarterbacks. I think they also look at entertaining offers to trade down. We're talking with Eric Allen, senior reporter for NewYorkJets.com. On that note, too, it gets pretty tricky with picks, you know, 15 through 20. You kind of start debating whether you go positional need or best available. In the Jets' eyes, which way do they go? Uh, they definitely, uh, John Isaac's going to stick to his board. And, uh, you know, look no further than last year with, the, with their second first-round pick, number 13 overall, they picked Sheldon Richardson. A lot of folks would say, hey, listen, your defensive line set. We need an offensive player there, but he's stuck to his board. He's always going to he's always gonna do that. And, by the way, uh, that was, turned out to be a great pick for the Jets, uh, you know, playing in this 3-4 system you know, because they asked him to one-gap a lot, and he turned out to be the NFL defensive rookie of the year. So, tremendous draft pick by John. It's like, I think he's going to stick to his board no matter what happens. Before we let you go, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Can you name me one or two players that you see the Jets potentially drafting at number 18? Oh, I don't. I can't give you one or two. That's too hard. I did it. <laughs> I was on NFL Network last week, and the situation was I had the following guys still on the board because they had a run of quarterbacks around the draft. By the way, that's what I think Jets Nation is hoping for because you set a quarterback with either Geno Smith or Michael Vick, and then you're in a good position in your top two there. But these are the following guys still on the board when I drafted. When they asked me to draft for the Jets at number 18 overall, Darquez Denard, uh, uh, seen Clinton Dix from Alabama, also, all those receivers we previously mentioned, in uh, Brandon Cooks, and Marquise Lee, and Odell Beckham, uh, and uh, Eric Ebron was also on the board. So with that being said, I took Eric Ebron. But uh, any of those guys, uh, it could fit here with the Jets. So uh, Ebron's a name to watch, so I think. It's interesting. Uh, Jeff's uh, coming up now, creeping up about uh, three weeks from now. Eric Allen from NewYorkJets.com, thanks for the time. Well, thanks for having me on. More on the Black and Blue Report. SiriusXM subscribers now have a place to talk NBA 24-7. SiriusXM NBA Radio. To the lane, lays it up, he lays it With experts like Steve Kerr, Kenny Smith, Lionel Holland, Sam Mitchell, Jerry Stackhouse, and many more. Plus, guest appearances by NBA players, coaches, and GMs. Get closer to this. LeBron to the rim with a two-hand jam. And this. Direct. Page and fires the rainbow 18-foot jumper is a thing of beauty. By listening to Sirius XM NBA Radio. Channel 217. And the Sirius XM app. There's no better time to join your Pelicans as we take flight. All-star Anthony Davis is taking his team to the next level. And the Pelicans are soaring to new heights. 2014-15 season tickets are on sale now and start at less than $300. With lower bowl options as low as $37 per game. 
Season ticket benefits include the best seat locations, discounts on concessions, and much more. Take flight with the Pelicans. For more info, call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today. He must be a big deal since he's verified on Twitter. He's Sean Kelly, and this is the Black and Blue Report. Let's turn our attention to basketball and the NBA specifically here on today's Black and Blue Report. The NBA playoffs are off to a great start, and so today I wanted to take a peek inside the Oklahoma City-Memphis series, especially after Memphis's thrilling win, 111-105. to That series now tied at a game apiece. And to help us take that peek is the voice of the Grizzlies, our good friend Eric Castletine with us. E, congratulations on the win. I don't think it gets more thrilling than what you witnessed. No, uh, tense as well, my brother. It was uh, it was one of those ones you thought you had it, and then all of a sudden you see just a miracle shot with a foul, and you don't make free throws, and the game goes to overtime, and you're thinking, oh gosh, don't let this you know go the opposite way and lose this game and drop 2-0 and then have to head home with the your back's against the wall. I give the guys for the Grizz a lot of credit because it would have been real easy to hang their head, win taken out of their sails to to really kind of limp into the end of that one, but they didn't. They kept attacking, and uh, boy, it was a lot of fun. That's one I'll definitely remember for the rest of my career. Is it even sweeter, E, because everybody you talk to wants to write the Grizzlies off and say this is just a, a speed bump here for the Thunder? Does that make it all that more sweet last night? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think anybody that does that doesn't know this team and doesn't know the history between these two teams because they went seven games three years ago last year without Russell Westbrook. Obviously, the Grizzlies eliminated them, but everybody tried to make that as to be the reason was, hey, don't don't think that this team wouldn't have been competitive if Westbrook would have been healthy. They seemed to find a way to, to play well against the Thunder with him in the lineup and took two out of three against the Thunder with Russ in the lineup. So it's sweeter because you have people writing this team off when they tend to forget that their best player on both ends of the floor is Marcus Gasol, and they played, you know, 24 games without him. And, you know, as you guys know, in New Orleans, no one's going to feel sorry for you for injury bugs. But, you know, when you don't have a guy that, that, that is your anchor on both sides for 24 games and you go 10 and 14, uh, your record could have been a lot different. I think this team was at the level of a three seed, maybe even a two seed when he's healthy, you know, their record proved that they were, you know, 10 and 14 without Mark and they finished, you know, 40 and 18 with him. So that's a big difference. So, uh, you know, I, I just think for anything right now, it proves that this team wasn't a last year and, you know, it proves one game at least. And now they got to go defend their home court. So uh, it certainly was a, a nice road victory. And now, uh, the Thunder get the the task of coming to FedEx Forum, which during the playoffs is just a nightmare for opposing teams. Yeah, with well, the way that building is built, and now that fan base uh, fully on board with the Grizzlies, it is a it is a a, a bear pit, if you will. Pardon the pun, but as Kevin Durant uh, hits this wild four point play, uh, it seemed in that building all the momentum goes toward the Thunder, and yet then Memphis holds OKC to six in overtime. What changed? What what were the Grizzlies able to do to to kind of suck away that momentum that was gained on that Durant play? Well, you know, obviously the, you're you're an inch away from getting a steal before that play even happens. Tony Allen made a great defensive play, gets a deflection, and Russell Westbrook just hustled, gave it to Durant, he throws it up. Marcus all just happens to be a little too close, and, you know, you still were ahead. I think that was the big thing. That That, that didn't tie the game or put them in front. You were still ahead by one. You missed one of two free throws. They, they tap a ball in with Kendrick Perkins. 
what changed in the in the overtime was the Grizzlies scored in their first possession. You know, they came out, they got an offensive rebound, they, and they attacked. They got the first bucket, got a stop on the other end. They they did a great job rotating in that opening possession, and then all of a sudden they were up by four. And you looked up and said, okay, that's good. Now nearly had a stop in the next possession, and uh, you know just missed an assignment. Looked like they had the Thunder dead to rights. And as you and I both know you get up three possessions in the first three possessions of overtime. If for whatever reason, with as much time as there is left, it just feels like you have a massive hill to climb, but you could see that the Grizzlies were able to get what they wanted on the offensive end. The Thunder were focusing so much energy on Marcus Gasol and, and, you know, trying to hedge on a screen for Mike Conley that they were forgetting about the other guys. And Tony Allen moved incredibly well without the ball. And uh, in the end, that was the big play where he came from the baseline and got a, a pass over to Zach Rand and had the Thunder in rotation. I just thought that they attacked. You know, this is a team that wants to slow the pace down, uh, but still they do it with their defense as well, you know, as they've shown. But uh, they attacked, they, they got the floor spread out, and then when you get guys rotating like that, if you can make a good decision, it usually leads to easy battles. You mentioned the style of thing. Yeah, you mentioned the style of play there, E. This is a team in Memphis that I think would like to make this a game in the mud. And OKC loves to run and get out there and throw it off the backboard and everything else. Um, when you look back at the first two games in the series, is there any relationship that can be garnered between your meetings with them during the regular season? And I know you all have played a ton of postseason games here in recent history, but let's talk about these two teams as they're made up right now. Which, which style can be more dominant in the next few games? Well, I think the Grizzlies can for one reason, if they make shots. Um, that's the main thing. You know, you got to remember in game one, they went five for 29 in the first quarter, and I don't care what level of basketball you're in, you're not going to win that game. But the thing that it allowed Oklahoma City to do was get out on the wings. Their guards rebounded well, and they just pushed the tempo. When the Grizzlies came out and went two for their first nine in, in, in the game last night, they were doing a great job of getting back off their misses, and their misses were in rhythm. They weren't forcing things and out of position. Then they started to make their shots, and it's a lot harder to run when you're taking the ball out of the basket. It's a lot harder to get out in transition when you have to step across that baseline and then inbound the ball. So um, I think the Grizzly style can, can be imposed a little bit more easily just by that factor, just pound the ball inside, get Zach Randolph and Marcus Gasol, good looks at the basket and then make uh, the Thunder get the ball up the floor after having to inbound it. So um, they're certainly capable, though, of imposing their style. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it's an easy task because, as you, both, you and I both know, those two guys, especially Kevin Durant, are so special that they, uh, they can change the tempo of a game in, in the blink of an eye and, and score 10 points in a heartbeat, and all of a sudden you're either down big or you are up decent and, and you're down. So uh, they're, they're tough to handle. Well, as they say, uh, e, uh, the series doesn't start until the home team loses. Well, I guess we have a series working now between you two teams. Yep, that's uh, that's the age-old saying. So now uh, the Grizzlies have to do their part and, and come home and feed off that energy and try to get game three and, and get keep the upper hand. I think to keep the upper hand in game three, that's key. And then, you know, game four, you, you, you try to feed off that momentum of winning two in a row and and head back. That's what they did last year to this team and, and really did a great job in Game 3, but I expect the Thunder will be ready Thursday night. Eric Hasseltine, voice of the Grizzlies, with us here on the Black and Blue Report. E, before I let you go, um, give me a thought or two on the other series going on in the NBA. Any surprises in your eyes, either East or West? 
You know, not really. I, I actually said a couple of months ago, I thought the, the Wizards could really make some noise. So I thought that they would be able to uh, to come in and, and play well against Chicago because of their size. But, you know, the Indiana thing is still just baffling to everybody just because they were so good and they were so talented. But we saw them towards the end of the year and they just looked disengaged. And so um, I fully expected the Clippers to bounce back. Um, I thought Dallas played a heck of a game one. Just, you know, San Antonio does what they do. They take advantage of your mistakes down the stretch. Um, and then the Houston-Portland series, I expect it to be a shootout. So um, not a ton of surprises, but I thought the road teams rising up the way they have, winning six of the ten games has been uh, something that, that people didn't expect. And that, that shows the parity, especially in the West. You know, we, we know the East, is you and I have talked about, is is – clearly not as good as the West, but to be able to go on the road in the West and win a game in somebody else's building with some of those home court advantages, that that's a big deal. So um, now we'll see how everybody responds. We'll see how Dallas responds to being down 0-1. We'll see how Houston responds to losing at home. We saw how the Grizzlies and Clippers responded, but you know, the, the sheer numbers of it, uh, there's going to be four teams in the Western Conference that go home after round one that are going to look around and go, boy, we have a really good team and, and we're done after one round, and that's a shame. Mm-hmm. Yep, there is no doubt about that. Eric, uh, enjoy a little time here, and then uh, certainly enjoy Thursday night at the FedEx Forum. We're looking forward to it. You got it, buddy. Thanks, Sean. No, thank you. So the uh, Grizzlies and Thunder go back at it uh, tomorrow night in Game 3 of their playoff series. Again, thanks to Eric Hasseltine for joining us uh, for a peek into that uh, Best of Seven series. We're going to talk more NBA here in just a moment. We've got a couple of topics to cover with our good friend David Wesley, and we'll do that next. Okay, you've just been told you have a serious heart issue. Congestive heart failure, a valve problem, a complex rhythm disorder. Now what? At Auctioner, we suggest you take a moment and do some research. When you do, you'll find Auctioner Medical Center as the only heart program in the region ranked among the nation's best by U.S. News & World Report. We routinely treat the most complex cases with revolutionary procedures such as surgical and non-surgical valve replacements and the total artificial heart. And we have the largest, most comprehensive program for treating arrhythmias in the Gulf South, offering options not available elsewhere in the region. At the end of the day, the most important thing to hear is... I just saw your test results, and they look great. No problems. Leading Edge Care. Just one more reason to choose an Auctioner-affiliated physician. For an appointment, visit auctioner.org or call 1-866-AUCTIONER. That's O-C-H-S-N-E-R. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. Guess what day it is? Hump day? Well, yeah, and it's Wesley Wednesday on the Black and Blue Report. It's a Wednesday here on the Black and Blue Report, which means a Wesley day on the Black and Blue Report. And even though the season has ended, we found a way to get David Wesley on board with us here for the podcast today. And, uh, Dub, I'm, I'm hoping we didn't drag you off the golf course or anything, did we? No, you did not. I, I was going to go out and play some golf and, and uh, decide to stick around the house and do some things around here that need to be done. So, no golf today. The honeydew list for all of us uh, postseason is pretty extensive, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. But you know what? For me right now, it's not really the honeydew. It's, it's kind of, you know, I've, I've, I mentioned to you that I've been doing some renovations around the house. So, a lot of it is just trying to get situated, get all the stuff off the floor and all the junk thrown away. And, you know, just like everybody, they got 
piles and piles of stuff they've collected that as much as I move, just keep moving with me. What have you found uh, in that discovery that makes you smile? Um, the, the, the biggest one that I found today is a picture of me coming off the court uh, after winning a playoff game when I was with Charlotte, and I'm hugging my older brother who is no longer with us. And it made That's me smile. a great one. Yeah. I just found it. So uh, it's kind of cool. I also found one of – uh, you know, me and my younger brother and his daughter, and then one of me and my mom. But the one that made me smile the most is one one of my older brother. And, and I'm sure you look the same today as you did in the picture, right? Uh, maybe a few pounds uh, slimmer, I would say. You know, uh, um, and maybe a few years younger. Actually, quite a few. I, you know, it's weird. You know, this June will be seven years that I retired from playing basketball. It seems like just yesterday. But yet you wouldn't have all the fun that you're having now if you were still playing. I, you know what? Uh, and people ask me all the time, do you miss it? And, and there are times when I look out there and I see young talent that I'm thinking, man, it'd be nice to play against him. But to think about the, the, the taxing, grueling um, pain um, that you go through each and every season and just about the time you're starting to feel good, you start working out for the next season and – and you go into that same feeling, and you wouldn't have it any other way. You love the grind while you're in it. But now that you're out, you're happy. I am. I'm, I'm happy to be out. I like what I do because I'm still really close to the action. You don't have that locker room feel that, that most players miss, and I miss it too. Um, but I'm right here. I'm front row center for you know every game, and I, I like where I've progressed. You've done now the analyst work on Fox Sports New Orleans for two seasons, David, and, and obviously your personality and your work ethic and all that serve you well on the air, but looking back now over these first two seasons for you in this new role, how much did your playing days uh, help you in what you're doing now? What, what, what did you marry between the two? Well, it gives you the insight. It gives you uh, what a player might be thinking. It gives you what might be going on in a rough season uh, and it helps that I've had both I've had some really really good seasons where um, well obviously we went to the finals uh, when I was with Cleveland and you know behind a young LeBron James and then I've been in misery I've, I've gone through a 15 win season I was a part of the 18 win season that that the, the Hornets had here in 2000, I think it was in 2004, 2005, I was traded in the middle of that, but I got, you know, the first 15 game or first 30 games of it. And, and so I can relate to what the Pelicans are going through right now. I can give some insight when guys go down, when guys are injured and frustrated, uh, I can, I can throw some insight and, and all those playing experiences, getting to the playoffs, wanting to get to the playoffs, watching a young player um, like Anthony Davis start coming into his own, seeing guys that, are, that, that didn't get drafted, seeing guys that are, that are trying to get on, how, how, how their mentality is and what they're trying to do and how they're trying to get better. I can relate to all those experiences, and I can give the public 
uh, my thoughts and maybe a little insight into what maybe the players are going through or thinking. Mm-hmm. David Wesley here with us on the Black and Blue Report this Wednesday, a Wesley day. Hey, David, before I get to the playoffs and ask you about what's been going on here in round one, uh, news this morning that Goran Dragic is the NBA's most improved player award winner. I think that a lot of us have been pulling for Anthony Davis to get that award. He finished third behind Dragic and Lance Stevenson. Um, did the results surprise you a little bit? Um, n- not surprise me. Uh, again, Anthony Davis, while improve a great deal and somebody that we are biased to because we see him every night, you start thinking about how many nationally televised games he's had. That kills him, I think. Mm, yeah. Whereas uh, Indiana, and I'm, and, and I'm more surprised that um, the Indiana player, uh, Stevenson, yeah, Stevenson, Lance Stevenson, I, yeah. I'm surprised he didn't. I'm surprised he didn't win it because they're on TV a lot more. People have more of a chance to go. He's fresh in my mind. Anthony Davis towards the end of the season didn't play as much, and not being on TV, uh, his last televised, nationally televised game was Chicago. Gosh, it had to be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that was many moons ago. So um, I think that kind of hurts him in some of the the awards at the end of the season. Uh, Not to say that that Phoenix was on a ton of uh, uh, nationally televised games, but towards the end of the season, you started hearing Gorn a lot. And he was getting more of the talk than most people. And, you know, some of those guys, uh, they may vote on on what they see, and then some of those guys may vote on what they hear. And if you hear a name more often, there you go. So it doesn't really surprise me. I, I, I get it. I, I still would have thought Stevenson would have won. Does the fact that Anthony was a number one overall draft pick hurt him in that sense? Well, maybe to some degree, because you can look at his first season. uh, You you talk about uh, Coach Monty Williams protecting him, not playing him a ton, and his progression is obvious in a sense that uh, if you're going to protect him and keep his minutes lower in one season and then take the – chains off and let him go be him in the second season, he's going to improve. His minutes went up. His production went up. Number one pick, he's supposed to. Whereas Gordon and Stevenson have been around some years. They Mm -hmm. played, they played, they played, and even though they've progressed because their minutes or production expectations have grown, their games went up, so certainly he might have been like, oh, well, he's supposed to get better. He's playing more yeah. minutes. He's number one pick. So, yeah, certainly could have. Okay, all right. Uh, NBA playoffs, what do you think so far? I think in Indiana, uh, I don't know if they showed us anything last night, but they were able to even up their series. Um, right. Clippers even at 1-1. There's a couple of things that jump out, but I'm curious as to see how you are viewing the first round of the playoffs. Well, I, I think – Everybody who made a prediction before the playoffs went in are, are possibly thinking, hmm, maybe I need to rethink this because there are a lot of teams, a lot of road teams won the first game, and the home team had to come back and win it. But some of the 
top guys, top seeds in this playoffs, I, you know, I, I, I have a feeling one of those lower seeds are going to come through and be in the Eastern Conference Finals or Western Conference Finals with a chance. I still haven't changed my Western Conference pick in the San Antonio Spurs. are still going to be tough uh, to beat in a seven-game series. But now I'm starting to look at a team like Brooklyn, you know, a team that's been kind of injured all year, so the guys haven't played a ton of minutes. Uh, Garnett playing his season or his career low in minutes. Uh, Paul Pierce playing his career low. Those guys are going to be a little bit fresher when you talk about their age than maybe if they had played the whole season at normal minutes. So, uh, And guys with a lot of experience. Uh, Garnett didn't play well in the first game, but who knows? Um, you know he's capable. So I just th- – that might be my Eastern, Con- Eastern Conference champion game, game. They'll be in the Eastern Conference champs, I think. Hmm. Okay. All right. And I don't mean champs. Uh, I don't mean champs. I mean they'll be in the Eastern Conference finals. Finals. Okay. Yeah. Even though even though they would have to meet Miami in the second round. Even though, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I'm with you on that. Let me ask you one more thing before we let you go here on this Wednesday. Um, now that we're a couple of games into these series, we're going to start to hear this stat that comes up every year, and the one I'm talking about is that we heard some some percentages after game one, but now, like, for example, these series that are tied 1-1, the the statistic goes that in a 1-1 series, the team who wins game three goes on to win this series 76% of the time. So that's a popular one that we're going to hear round after round here. Do do players hear that stat? Do they pay attention to those percentages? I didn't. I'm sure there are some players, like... Uh, my year in Cleveland with LeBron, he looked at all that stuff, or he he appeared to. He appeared to be aware of a lot of media coverage. And as a player, especially after my maybe fourth or fifth year, I I stopped. I I stopped listening, stopped watching, um, stopped paying attention to a lot of that stuff because you have a lot of – negativity out there you got a lot of people questioning how you play what you do and how you play what you do got you to that point and certainly you need to get better but guarantee you you watch enough film you have coaches around you have people that see you every day that make a better assessment of your game and what you need to do to get better than listening to some of the writers and media outlets that that you know kind of take shots at you at times and so I stopped watching it, but uh, some guys do, some guys don't. Hmm. Okay, interesting take. Interesting take. Well, uh, continued success with the renovations uh, here this off season, Mr. Wesley. Yeah, good times in, in the Wesley household. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine, and uh, and try and not uh, you know find yourself in therapy or anything like that when it's all done, because usually this uh, breeds a problem in my eyes. What do you mean, man? This is therapeutic. You got to look at it a different way. I want to do this stuff. Not. You're 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 like that guy down the street who says I love cutting the grass. I'm not buying wait, it. Wait 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 wait. Time out. I do love cutting the grass. Oh, you're that guy too. I, I am that. Well, here's the thing. I got a riding lawnmower. First yeah. of all, and it's my first one I've ever had. When I cut grass as a kid, I did it to you know have a little money. Then I said once I had money, 
I'm never cutting my grass again. And then I lived over in another house, small yard. I said, I'm not going to pay somebody to come cut, charge me 50 bucks to come cut this little bit of grass. So I got out there, I started cutting, and I found a new kind of, yeah, you know, I'm outside, I'm doing my thing, cool. And then we moved over here, and we got a big yard. I got the riding lawnmower, and now I got all kind of equipment. I'm a regular old grass cutter. Yeah, but okay, I, okay, I'm with you on the riding lawnmower thing because that is cool for those of us who had to push the the uh, man-powered uh, push lawnmower as a kid. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the whole weed-eating thing, I, I can't stand it. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I agree with that, son. But, you know, I got the you know, I got the big boys around here. I got the... I got the ones they use out on the highway cutting the cutting for the city. I got the ones see. with the business. Yeah, I with went. The business. I, you know what? When I had the other one, it was a it was a pain. Now I got that one. I'm kind of having fun. I got the blower you throw on your back. I mean, I'm a, I'm I'm like starting my own business. I was gonna say you're a trailer <laughs> away from a business. I, and I'm and I'm about to get a trailer. I see. Okay. Well, when you get the trailer, come on up to uh, Shea Kelly and have at it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm coming up there and check you out, you, you Kim and the kids, and and uh, as long as you got some uh, frosty beverages, I'm all in. Yeah, I'm all in. That's that's not a problem. Not a problem. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I think that's a good way to end, sir. Enjoy the rest of the playoffs too, by the way. Oh, thank you. Hey, did yeah. you check out Joel? I did. Your buddy Joel yeah. Myers calling games on yeah. TNT. TNT. Oh, he's loving it too. He's that, he's uh, he's all he's all smiles right now. Good for him. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Representing the Pelicans there on a national stage, that's for sure. Um, yes, why don't we do this again next Wednesday? What do you think? I'm all in. Hey, all right. I, I love it. So, all right, more yeah, more cutting again. grass and renovation stories with David Wesley one week from today here on the Black and Blue Report. <laughs> all right. David, thank you. No problem. David Wesley with us here on the Black and Blue Report. As the NBA playoffs progress, we'll have some more awards to talk about next week. But, again, that news today about the NBA's most improved player. I think we had a good discussion about that. We'll continue here on the podcast for the Saints and Pelicans right after this. As one Entergy customer to another, I have a tip for you. Download the free Entergy app. If my power goes out, I check the app. The outage maps let me know what's happening and when to expect my lights back on. It also makes it easy to pay my bill and manage my account, all right from my smartphone. Download the app today or visit EntergyApp.com for more information. Giving me control in the palm of my hand? That's the power of people. Entergy. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get text messages with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans mobile alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Follow us on Twitter at Black Blue Report. Special thanks to our guests today here on the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, Champ Bailey, Zach Streif, Eric Allen from NewYorkJets.com, Eric Hasseltine, the voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, and our own David Wesley, too. Tomorrow's show, if I may steal a phrase from Ron Burgundy, tomorrow's show is uh, kind of a big deal. Uh, we're very pleased tomorrow to visit with Anthony Mackey, the New Orleans uh, 
born and raised and resident, um, is a major movie star now and currently starring as the Falcon in Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Well, to say that he's a Saints fan and a Pelicans fan would be gross understatements. And he came by uh, today to visit at the uh, facilities here on Airline Drive. He wanted to see the world headquarters of the Saints and the Pelicans. We had a chance to visit with him. And so tomorrow we will share that visit with you on the Black and Blue Report. It is going to be good. I think that you'll want to tune in for that. And it's yours, of course, anytime after noon central tomorrow. The Black and Blue Report, of course, being a podcast, is what we like to call no appointment radio. So sometime after noon central tomorrow, it'll be up. And it's yours to listen to over and over again. We encourage that, of course. Um, but again, you'll find out exactly when it goes up by following this show on Twitter. That's at Black Blue Reports. You can also follow me on Twitter at Sean Kelly Live or at D. Sallerson uh, for the Diesel Man as he churns out uh, plenty of good information not only regarding the Black and Blue Report, but Saints and Pelicans as well. We'll uh, hope that you'll spread the word about tomorrow's program featuring Anthony Mackey and hopefully Saints head coach Sean Payton tomorrow on the Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report. That'll do it for us here on this Wednesday. Have a great rest of your day. We'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. And don't forget to take in some of the playoffs as they continue tonight across the Western Conference. I'm Sean Kelly saying so long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.